welcome to Chewing the Fat with Melf and Grimmy. Two PTs talking about life inside and outside of the fitness industry. Welcome everyone to episode 20 of Chewing the Fat with Melf and Grimmy. Good afternoon. We are just after 10 past 12, aren't we? Yeah, just about. And episode 20, wow, that is a, a pretty good achievement, Matt, wouldn't you say? I know. Like I say, I'm thinking when we started this podcast, we didn't really know where it was going to initially go, did we, at first? No, just two PTs having a chat. Yeah, and no. the next thing you know, we're... You know? Get getting paid to do podcasts, so this is just going to be loads of product placements in here. I've not got anything <laughs> through yet. <laughs> um, yeah, and we wanted to kind of as we started our podcast during the first lockdown, and if you if you're listening at the moment, it is lockdown two point zero, as the as everyone says. Um, obviously, if you're not you're listening it back, then I think this has landed quite a good time, Mike, because. This lockdown is probably a little bit different for everyone compared to the first one. Do you agree? Absolutely. First of all, it's not as, say, a strict lockdown. So there is a lot more freedom for people to actually still go out your house. Some people are still going to be working. A bit more flexibility over the last few months. And so we kind of know what's coming. Basically, it is just gyms, restaurants, pubs and hotels and the arts that are really shut. Everything else seems to be pretty much open. If you were to go out and drive about or to go out for a walk or something, it wouldn't seem like it's lockdown. Whereas no. back in April, it, it, it felt like lockdown. If you, you almost felt guilty for going out and putting rubbish out. Yeah, really. Yeah, I think it was almost yeah, it was almost that that like fear of going outside and getting COVID in the air, weren't it? <laughs> yeah. It was like March, April, like it's gonna get me. But now I think like it does seem relatively normal, just maybe these extra things that we get used to, such as going to a nice hotel, going to the gym, going to a local pub or restaurant are sort of taken away from us just for the moment. We can look at these as another setback. Hmm. That's our theme for today's podcast, uh, our 20th one, just a reminder in there. And we thought we'd add our own personal touch to today as well, um, adding some of our own personal setbacks and ways that we've almost had to overcome these to, to get to where we are today, but also talk about setbacks in general. And we're going to conclude with what to do if you're unsure as to, to where to go from now in, in relation to your health and fitness goals, really. Yeah. I mean, the thing, uh, the thing is this time around, mate, before when we was in lockdown, when you could maybe like exercise in your garden, it was warm, it was bright. Um, it was a little bit easier, actually. But this time around, it's darker it's cold, it's wet. So it, it, makes, it makes it a lot harder for people to get any exercise in, especially if you're still working, even from home, working from like eight to five o'clock, going out in your wet, cold garden and doing a bunch of burpees isn't really that appealing this time around, is it? Oh, burpees in general yeah. aren't really appealing. But yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, staying with the whole exercise theme of things and... I did a little bit of research on the sports side of things, how to deal with setbacks. And injury seems to be the most common or dominant setbacks and in, with regards to high-performance female athletes. And as mentioned, the, the most dominant setback was injury, like which meant not playing 
training or competing. So a lot of these females felt lost in identity, social roles and physical competency. And we can relate that to where we are now. Now, a lot of us aren't allowed to go to the gym. So it's almost like a, we're, we're restricted or we're kind of injured from doing what we can do. And this led to a fearing about having further injuries or having a lack of skill retention, physical fitness, and having a, a fear of their coaches' expectations for when returning back to playing. And taking that back to where we are in regards to having a month off, especially if you're in the middle of a gym program and going back, it's almost like a fear of what to expect when you go back, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, thinking about my guys, when we opened the gym back um, in July, they were all very keen to get on the training program. I think a lot of them were a little bit scared. <clears throat> Maybe they, they couldn't, they wasn't at the level they was when they first, sort of when we first went into lockdown. But we've been on a lovely consistent role with the training program, with our sort of group training sessions. Yeah, it is a bit of a kicker. This has come along now because a lot of them were kind of really getting into the flow of training, really making some significant progress. And this, for a lot of them, has almost put a big barrier up. There needs to be some form of, say, coping um, strategies to, to help alongside that. And going back to this uh, paper I was reading, and it mentioned about positive thought processes, and it sounds a little bit airy-fairy, but it's amazing what that can do. Even one thing which we can relate to our clients and also gym members is a, a re-establishment of goals. So looking at your goals for the month, creating a temporary goal rather than thinking, oh no, yeah, my goal of hitting this weight is gone out the window now, what's the point? Think, okay, well let's maybe focus on another part of your your gym um, gym armor almost and think, well, what can I do to improve? So when I go back to training, I've now re-established my goals. I've managed to actually improve part of my um, one of my attributes they also looked at breaking up rehab into manageable stages so allowing recognition of small gains so break up your month now you could do it into small gains so each week right i want to work on improving my hamstring length so that when i go back to doing back squats i can stay in a a, a better position so that in itself will be a a small goal next week you focus on maybe all right well maybe i'll focus on my calf mobility so that can help allow me to squat a bit more deeper again to achieve a better muscle engagement so you know the main point is adjusting goals to allow yourself to succeed rather than view yourself differently over this next month yeah i agree i think a lot of people who are used to maybe getting stronger and building muscle they can't really do that at home at the moment because they haven't got a gym set up they haven't got loads of dumbbells barbells kettlebells that's kind of out the window and what we tend to find is a lot of people go completely the opposite way and just maybe just do nothing. Think, well, I can't go to the gym and get strong. I'm going to do nothing. And as you said, it's kind of realigning the goals, whether that is working on hamstring length, when, whether that's working on ankle flexibility, whether that's maybe gaining or losing weight to improve your training when you go back to it. Another coping mechanism was social support. And that was recognized as massive beneficial in these setback situations. And, that can be in a form of encouragement, reassurance, I guess, you know, getting advice from people who can relate to you. And the female athlete said that the frustration from receiving support from people who maybe couldn't relate to your situation, that was the, the one thing they, they struggled with. And in your situation there, a lot of your members could actually form that community and just they could all relate to each other of the, the current frustrations, isn't it? Yeah, I think we, we do push community is kind of one of our big aspects at the gym, really. One of the 
key benefits people join is because they surround themselves with other like-minded individuals. So a lot of them keep in contact with each other. They go on Zoom with each other, work out. We have like a uh, an app we use where they can track workouts. They can keep an eye on each other's scores, comments, high fives, that sort of things. Um, and you know we like to think this keeps people motivated, keeps people in the loop. Doesn't feel like they're doing it completely on their own. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Matt, are there any performance-based or training setbacks that you've had to, to deal with during your time? Um, yeah, I think definitely when I probably was coming to the end of my CrossFit competitiveness career, I'm not going to say career, it wasn't really a career, just done quite a few comps. And I think like got to this certain level um, where I had this big competition, it was up in Essex, and then I had a local comp two weeks after, and I really pushed myself to train for this big competition. And realistically, out of 100 people, I think I finished like 91st. It wasn't even like anything spectacular. But as I pushed myself to go so hard during that competition, I honestly can't say I felt like chronically fatigued going into this local competition, which I really wanted to do so well, especially like in my local area and absolutely flopped this competition just because it was just down to pure chronic fatigue. And then from there, I think after I competed for that time, it really put me off competing for a very long time and actually yeah. spent that transition time going into regular sort of gym training, which I would say to get over the chronic fatigue probably took me six to eight months. How did you come back from that setback? For me, I found it actually quite hard coping to train at a certain level and be competitive at a certain level to almost just to go into the gym and do my own thing. It was, it was strange because I wasn't as strong. I wasn't as fit. And I did find it that transition almost quite hard, but I know for, for the longevity of my health, it was, it was, it was worth it. It's great to hear that you actually managed to, to deal with it in a, your own personal way and almost take the pressure off yourself and enjoy your training again. I think sometimes that's a really good way to, to, to step back and, and look at the bigger picture. So, um, you know, fair play to you, mate. I didn't know that. How about you, mate? For me, I started playing rugby when I was 14. And most 14-year-old rugby players, they want to play for England at Twickenham. And I managed to represent Kent schools at under-16s and under-18 level as well. And I was also lucky enough to play... London and South East schools, um, under 16s and under 18s. Unfortunately, for both those years, 16s and 18s, I suffered knee injuries, which affected my England trials. And I didn't make it through to the, um, the trials there. And I had operations, both knees. Then I went to university. And first and second years, I only played for the second and third team at, at Loughborough, uh, which was a good standard. But you know, my ultimate goal was to get to the first team, yeah. and, you know, represent England. Uh, third year of university, I had a gap year, which means I come home to back to Kent, played locally at Canterbury, just gained a bit more experience. And even during that time, you know, I just, just felt frustrated that I'd not achieved my goal. I, you know, it'd been by then seven years and I hadn't got anywhere near it. And yeah, went back to university, different approach to my, my training and my rugby, my life in general, just made the changes I needed. And the year out actually helped me playing men's rugby almost like man me up a little bit in regards to that you know my whole attitude towards the game and in my final year back at Loughborough you know I managed to to play regularly for the first first 15 there and managed to represent uh, Northampton State's academy 
at their home ground and also had um, England University trials and got in and then represented England universities on three occasions and Twickenham from that my goal started at 14 years old and I achieved it eight years later I had literally so many setbacks not failed trials mm. constant surgeries generally just you know just self-confidence issues but if you get a setback on whatever your goal is don't don't give up I know it sounds a little bit cliche but it's true you know if you you'll find a way if your goal's realistic to, to achieve it really yeah wow what a journey mate what an incredible journey yeah, it was definitely had its ups and downs, mate. Some pretty low times, uh, you know, being a young lad and not really knowing how to deal with frustration and deal with setbacks. You kind of, you know, especially at university, but when you're on your own and you just feel a little bit rubbish, you just end up just boozing. I think for me, I just used alcohol at university yeah. out two, three times a week, getting plastered to deal with frustrations. And like I say, the year out, being around more a adult environment helped yeah, I think it's the thing, where, where we're in this current situation, a lot of people are quite easy to blame COVID from mm. achieving their goals, blame this, that, or the other. If it isn't COVID, it's their, down to their partners, uh, their work, or whatever. And when it comes to like actually making progress, whether that is any way, as Mike says, something very sort of athletic, if it's body fat loss, if it's business, like you can't keep blaming things. There are going no. to be hurdles that come your way, but you cannot continually blame things. The action comes down to you at the end of the day. And if it isn't easy, which most of the time it isn't easy, because if it was easy, everyone would be doing it, right? Absolutely, Matt. Talking about the whole sort of challenges you face with not only training, sport, um, but business as well. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm keen to find out, you know, has it been a smooth sort of transition going from a PT in a gym to starting your own business? Absolutely not. It's been a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I'll elaborate some more. So give you some background that I was a PT at a gym for several years, um, filled my books up pretty nicely, was, you know, on a, on a good income, nice steady job, um, always full diary in the gym. People wanted to train with me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera kind of like you, Mike, at, uh, at your gym. And I had clients at the time become really good friends. They said, you should, you should go and do your own thing. You should um, open a gym. We'll invest in you. And so went for this idea of looking for a gym. Finally, after a few years, found a unit, got a gym. And, you know, being very naive in that situation, we um, contacted like an equipment company, asked them to sort of fit the gym out for us. We gave them loads of money. They might literally disappeared the next day. Yeah, you know, like when you call someone and it just keeps ringing and ringing and you do it like 15 times, you're thinking, that's weird. No one's got back to me. Major setback that one, isn't it, buddy? I know. And even at one point, they said, oh, we're going to go down the unit today, go and fit it out, go in there and have a look, tell me what you think. I went in there. I'm not going to lie, Mike. There was just loads of old equipment in there. You're joking. No, they're, they're, this is, I keep it at the gym to remind me every day. There's this kettlebell 
it must have been like purple back in the day, but it's rusted. It's, you know, really decrepit kettlebell. And I actually leave it down the gym to remind me of this story every time. And literally I was thinking I've left my, my job, my full-time job. I've, you know, I've got some friends that are also investors and they've invested a lot of money into this. And I've chosen this equipment company that has gone AWOL. And I was thinking, what the fuck? What am I going to do? I'm, mm. I've, you know, I've, I've tried to take that leap and do something, you know, what a lot of people don't do is take that chance with things. Um, and it was a nightmare. Like, a, a, like you said, you turned to booze. I reckon for a week, I probably drank at least a bottle, if not two bottles of red wine every night. Just like I've never been in this yeah. scary situation. Um, but it's like one of the things I always think as well. This, so me and the missus had a sort of a bit of a discussion about it the other day. She was like, she doesn't think it's that applicable, but I, I really like it. And the quote is, pressure is privileged. Like, sometimes you have to put yourself out in them situations that are going to be very high pressure, that are going to really test you as a person. Mm. But at the end of the day, I put myself in that situation. And me just sitting indoors drinking a bottle of red wine or two isn't going to fix it. Could have gave up and just not bothered, but we went all through courts, fought it, done everything possible just to make sure this gym was up and running. And from then it was like in the back of my mind, this yeah. is my motivation to make it work because I could have easily given up at that first hurdle. And I mean, if anything, these sort of experiences, yeah, they're shitty at the time, but it's definitely maybe more resilient and it's probably maybe not as naive when it comes to business. It does change you going through like a, a traumatic experience like that. No, it does. It does change you and make you more resilient. Absolutely, Matt. Yeah, great. I think like these these experiences that you know everyone's going to come across them in, in different forms in their in their life. We're all going to come across setbacks. We're all going to come across high pressure situations. Sometimes you're always going to have to make difficult decisions, and unfortunately, yeah. that is life. It is. What's that slogan? You must know it. It's. 90% of life isn't what happens. It's the 10% that gets thrown at you or something. I don't know. Oh, I, I don't know that one, honest, mate. But I, I get where you're coming from. And um, yeah, it, it's an interesting one, mate. I think it does change you. You know, people you know, in my close circle know that I've been through a bit of a tough time um, since my son was born. Long story short, when he was one, he had surgery on his lung. It didn't go too well, um, which meant that he had another four surgeries to try and fix the issue. It was some pretty dark times, um, traumatic, and the fallout was probably worse. Mm. I'm a pretty good hider of my emotions. Everyone thought, you know, that I was fine. And, you know, but inside, me and my missus were pretty much going through a horrific time um, mentally. Yeah. And it took, in the end, professional help to kind of get us back on the road. And we'll always deal with it every day. And we're managing all our, all our thoughts and our traumas every day. But as you say, mate, it makes you stronger. And bit of a, a cliche but people my clients say well it always asks me if I'm having a, a good day I went, yeah I'm having a good day and they say yeah you know seem to have a bad day but and yeah I mean for me a bad day for me isn't being late isn't for a car breaking down you know I always say to them look I've been in worse situations and someone close to you going through that 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 was pretty you know that's, that's a bad day for me so everything else apart from that 
is is pretty much a good day really. I always try to step back and look at the bigger picture as much as I can. And again, I'm not trying to advise everyone here, so don't. Um, that that's from my point of view. Um, but like I say, you know, it's almost finding ways to cope and and get yourself back on track really. Whether it be with professional help, like I had to have, you know, whether it was a, a mental trauma. Or even with things like your, your training's plateauing. I know it sounds silly, but that in itself is a stressful situation. So if you find that your training's plateauing or you're not sure what to do, there's always people here to help. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. That's what we do for a job as well, Mike. We, we literally find solutions for people. That's what personal trainers and coaches do. They're finding solutions for people, whether that be with fat loss, fitness, strength, or whatever it is. That carries over to like everyday life. As you said, you went for professional help as well you you've done that to improve your life didn't you it doesn't matter what your struggle is there are professionals out there for pretty much yeah. every situation especially right now regards to sort of training i mean just to summarize before we go matt i mean what options have people got right now yeah i mean even actually with myself mike i've actually hired myself a mentor for me mm. yeah you know did i threw that one right out there yeah. um yeah, because even even myself, a lot of people may think I've got my shit together. Who knows what he's doing? And yeah, to a degree, I might do. But for me to go that next level of what I want to achieve, I've actually had to hire a coach in order to go up to that next level. Teach me stuff I didn't know. So if you're out there, if you genuinely don't know how to lose body fat, if you genuinely don't know how to get stronger, if you don't know how to get your back fixed, then it's time to seek out professional help there's nothing wrong with asking for help if you genuinely don't know how to do something and so in summary guys covid is just another roadblock that is going to get in our way there's going to be plenty of roadblocks across the way whether that's people passing away in your family whether that's breaking up in a relationship whether that is just missing putting the rubbish out there's going to be so many roadblocks in the way in your life it's just going to be how you deal with it day to day. Perfect, Matt. From me, guys, stay safe, stay well. What he said. <laughs> <laughs>